So get your Bibles out, people. Um, all right, Psalm 23. We're starting a new message series. Um, I, everybody has a thing that they nerd out on. Everybody. I mean, we, all, we all try to play it cool. Everybody comes in with your cool fall clothes on. Okay, everybody looks great. But everybody, uh, at the end of the day, is a nerd about something. I happen to be a nerd about World War II. I think it's the cool, I, I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the politics. I'm fascinated by the leaders. I'm fascinated by the bad guys. I'm fascinated by the good guys. I just, and so my wife will often make fun of me because uh, she'll find me just randomly watching documentaries because there's thousands of them and they're all great. I like them all. Uh, and so uh, in, in kind of just looking at and following World War II, I like to find the movies that are about World War II. And there was, there was a mini series done several years ago called Band of Brothers. And it follows one company from literally their training all the way to the end of the war in Europe. Fascinating. I mean, it's an incredible series. I, I, I kind of would recommend it. It's a little violent, so I'm not, I'm not recommending it as a pastor. In fact, I'm not even sure I should be talking about this now that I think about it. So sorry about that. But it's, I love it. It's amazing. It's absolutely fascinating. One of the most compelling scenes in the entire series is that the allied uh, armies, the American army, has got to advance and take the city of Foy, Belgium, as they are continuing to press toward and trying to push Hitler and the Nazis back. And so they're supposed to take this town. Easy Company has gotten a new commander that they don't know very well, and he's candidly not a very good leader. So he begins to lead them out to advance on this city. They are under heavy gunfire. They're, they're taking fire on all sides, and the leader... The, the captain, the guy who's supposed to be spearheading this advance on this city just freezes up. And they, they're sitting ducks out there. And he stops advancing. And they're asking him, what are we supposed to do? Where do you want us to go? And he's saying, you guys go this way and you guys go this way. And they're going, you can't divide our forces. We're gonna get slaughtered out here. And the, they're, they're, they're under duress and they're going, you can't just sit here. And the guy is frozen. And so the commander of the entire kind of brigade, out of which I knew all the terms, the brigade, he's like out there and he's like, he's like, you know what? He pulls a lieutenant. He says, Lieutenant Spears, you go in there and relieve Commander Dyke. And so he goes in there and Spears runs in. It's like the most, it's the most incredible scene. He's like running in. He's like, this is what we're doing. And he goes, and he runs across into the city, past the city to connect with the other guys who are on the other side. And then he comes all the way back and the guys are like, yeah, and then they come in and they're just, and they're shooting and, you know, killing the bad guys, sorry. But, they, you know, it's war and they take the city of Foy and what you see are these two examples of leadership. You see one who's just frozen, can't make any decisions and it's literally bringing harm to the people around them. And you see one who comes in and says, this is what we're doing and this is where we're going and you can follow me all the way. It's the most fascinating scene and it just reminds me how hungry we are for good leadership. We all are so hungry for good leadership. People are, we're not just looking for leadership. We crave good leadership. We're seeking it out. And this starts from the very first moment of our lives, right? We're born into a family and we're under the leadership of our parents. And some of us had really great parent experiences that led us. And some of us had some not great parent experiences. But that leadership was in many ways defining of our lives, we saw it happen and we looked at that and we came in and, and, and either that leadership was something that we really wanted to emulate or that leadership was something that we said, I hope that I'm, I'm not like that kind of leader. 
Either we had leaders, that parents that called us up or parents that didn't call us up. And so we look at that and we go, that's, that's what I either want to be like someday or we go, I, I don't know that I... I don't know that I want to be like that. We, we, and what we hungered was, I wish that I had been led well. Many of us have that experience. You can look back and go, I just wish that there had been some leadership in my life. And then as we mature, we begin to look towards other people, go past our parents. And when we're kids, we start looking at celebrities and athletes and thinking that we need to be some, somewhat like them. And as we continue to mature, we, we start to think about our careers and what we're gonna be like. We start thinking about who are the people that have gone before me and the ways that I, the ways that I wanna be or maybe the field that I wanna grow in or the career that I wanna walk in or the things that I wanna do in my life. Who has gone before me and done that really well? And so we're always looking for these examples of people who lead well. I remember when I was a kid, I was... 16 years old, and I felt this call into ministry, into vocational ministry to be a pastor. And so what I found myself doing all the time when I was, I'm 16 years old, and I'm like, I just want to hang out with the youth pastor. I want to hang out with all, like the leadership team, the, the youth ministry I was a part of. Just I want to hang out with those guys, and I, I want to do all the stuff they're doing. I would, I would be up at the office all the time, and I was like, can I fold some letters? or just, what, what can I do? I just want to hang out with you guys. And it kind of felt fun to me, but here's what, I, what was I actually looking for? I wanted to know, what does it look like to be a pastor? I wanted, I wanted to see, how do you lead people? What does it actually look like in an everyday life? Because I want to be like you. I want to walk as you walk. Every one of us wants good healthy, life-giving leadership. Even in a nation where we celebrate our own personal freedoms, we're still a, a people that are looking for good leadership. Even the most seasoned leaders are still seeking out guidance. They're looking for good counsel. They're looking for wisdom. Even the guys that are at the top of the field, you'll find if you listen to the good CEOs out there, the guys, they're, they're surrounding themselves. They're looking for healthy and good leadership. Everybody wants that. But listen, we especially want leadership when the, when the floor drops out from underneath us. We absolutely want it when there's chaos involved. When everything seems chaotic, what are we looking for? Someone to actually point the way. And where there's an absence of leadership, we waver and often we crater when we don't see it or experience it. Every one of us could probably point back to days where we were led really well and moments where we were not led very well at all. And we have felt the chasm, the emptiness, the, the anxiety that comes when we don't feel good leadership. And listen, you can have all, you can have all great voices speaking in. And you can have great people around you that can be amazing with their guidance and counsel. In fact, we'll see it all throughout the scripture. You'll see it through Proverbs, the profoundness of having good leaders and counselors around you. Proverbs 15 verse 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 11, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 24, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors, there is victory. So what the scripture saying is, hey, it's good to have people around you that are giving you wisdom and clarity and understanding, helping to lead the way. However, there is one source of leadership that shines above 
all others. Because no one in all your life will lead you like Jesus leads you. No one. There is a leadership that stands above every other. It is in the Son of God. You can have the best leaders around you. You can have all the counselors and you can have all the wisdom. But no one will lead you like Jesus leads you. And no one has the power like him to take you where you want to go. No one. And so this series is going to be about us diving into the leadership of Jesus over our lives. That's what we're gonna be unpacking for the next four weeks. What does it mean to have the leadership of Jesus over our lives? So before we dive into this psalm, this is what we gotta ask. How closely and intentionally do you follow Jesus? If he is a leader unlike any other, then we have to begin to ask the question. I was, even as I was studying this series, asking myself the question, how closely and intentionally are you following Jesus? Because there's one thing to say it, and in fact, in Western culture or even Western Christianity, we all say we want to follow Jesus. But the question is, how much of his authority and leadership is actually calling the shots in our everyday lives? And that's what we want to begin to unpack. Look at Psalm 23. We're going to look at just the first three verses this morning. Psalm 23 says this. This is King David writing this psalm. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, there's an amazing picture here. But if you want to know why you should follow Jesus, we're going to start right here. This is the starting place for where the leadership of Jesus is revealed. Because we see him not just as any leader, but when we look at the picture of Jesus' leadership over our lives, we get the picture of a shepherd. To be clear, Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus actually is the fulfillment of Psalm 23. He actually says it with his own words and his own language in John chapter 10. You know what he says? I am the good shepherd. All right, so Jesus is saying, Psalm 23, right, this is, probably one of the most well-known psalms of all time. This is one of the most well-quoted or even well-memorized scriptures. If you guys grew up, any of you that grew up in any kind of church setting, you probably heard this. And here's what Jesus says. You can throw that back up there. John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I'm the answer to Psalm 23. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. And I love this description that Jesus uses himself because he says, I am the good shepherd. Because as I was actually doing some study for this series, there are bad shepherds 
There are shepherds that actually don't tend their flocks well. And I was reading about it, and there's shepherds that won't lead their sheep into new places. They'll just keep going to the same place. What happens is the place will get overgrazed, and uh, the sheep will start uh, literally cutting ruts into this because they'll just do the same thing over and over and over again. And they'll wear the land down. Hills will get eroded. And then parasites start to come in. They actually, the sheep will start to atrophy. I was like reading, I was like, this is fascinating. Sheep have problems. (laughs) So there's some inherent things that Jesus is saying here about us. All right, we'll get to that. But what you find is bad shepherds aren't taking, they're not acknowledging what's happening with their sheep. And Jesus says, I'm not just a shepherd, I'm the good shepherd. And you wanna know why I'm the good shepherd? Because I lay down my life for the sheep. Fact, in fact, it's, it's possible that you have found yourself under leadership where you felt like you were emotionally or spiritually atrophying, that you were falling apart. May have happened in your home, could be happening even right now in the company that you work for. But we've all seen and experienced bad leadership. We've had people that have tried to get something from us or manipulated us. Some of us had fathers who ignored us. Maybe you've had spouses or bosses who we were looked to, we looked to them for leadership in some way and they let you down in a serious way. They were supposed to be looking out for you and they looked to their own self-interest first. They weren't looking out and Jesus says, you wanna know the mark of a great leader, I lay my life down for my sheep. This is the mark of leadership. There is actually no greater mark of leadership on the face of the earth than this right here. This is the greater love has no one than he that would lay his life down for his friend. And so what separates Jesus from all other deities, what separates Jesus from all other political leaders, what separates Jesus from every uh, leader hopeful is that Jesus came to lay down his life. He's the only one who can perfectly, hear this, only one who can perfectly care for you. And not only that, but cares for you more than you can for yourself. What Jesus is trying to say is, he's a better leader for you than you are for you. Not just anyone else out there. He's the safe one to run to. And so Jesus' leadership is always going to be moving us towards life, even when it's uncomfortable and even when it hurts. And that's what we'll unpack a little bit in this series. But what we're going to find is, even if it doesn't feel really fun, Jesus is always leading us towards life. Even when it might be uncomfortable, Jesus is going to lead us. And so in this part of the text, he's gonna unpack the three ways in which Jesus leads you faithfully well. I just wanna unpack those and then we'll finish this morning just with a chance to respond to his leadership. Go back to verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Hear this. Jesus always leads us towards refreshment. He's always leading us towards refreshment. Now, listen, some of you are really tired 
In fact, I'd venture to say most of us feel that way. Nobody's looking at 2020 going, man, this was great. This is what I was asking for. Back, Lindsay and I have talked, uh, we've, we've, we've made jokes many times because at the very beginning of this year, I preached a series called You in Five Years. And right now it's like, I'm, I'm afraid to look at February, right? I mean, like, me in five years, I don't even, like, what's got, we don't even know, right, what's on the forefront. It, it, you know what that means? It means life is exhausting. When you can't imagine what February might be like, life's exhausting right now. I mean, it's taking a toll. If you have not acknowledged the chaos of this year and what it often has brought to our lives, uh, then, then you, you're not being self-aware and, and able to understand what's in front of us. This political season, this quarantine season, relationships have been strained in ways that they have maybe, maybe never been, and everyone's looking for something to hope for, right? To just, God, could we, you know, can we do, will the Supreme Court fix this? Can we, will the new president fix we're looking for a hundred ways for somebody or something to fix something. And Jesus is saying, here's good news. If the Supreme Court doesn't work, work out the way you want it to, if the presidency doesn't work out the way you want it to, if your relationships are not working out the way you want it to, guess what? I'm working for you oh, right now. You can walk out of your house on a Monday morning with your shoulders back and head up because you are a son or daughter of the Most High God, and he is leading you to be refreshed. When the good shepherd says, I lead you to green pastures, what he's saying is, as I just described, you left to yourself, you'll keep cutting that rut in the ground. Sheep will just, they're actually creatures of habit. They'll just keep doing over and over and over the very thing. You would think that, uh, in fact, I was, I was reading a, a book, it's called uh, A Shepherd's, uh, what is it? A, a, a Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's a great resource, it was written several years ago. If you're looking, if you just wanna unpack Psalm 23 on a deeper level, this is a great book, it's been a great resource. Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, so it's an actual guy who actually covers, leads sheep, and he's like going, these parallels are unbelievable. And I'm reading this and it's saying, you think sheep just take care of themselves. They'll just keep doing the same thing over and over. And what this scripture, when this, meaning you know the hill that you might be on right now, and Jesus is going, that's not going to cut it for you. I'm taking you to a new hill. I'm, I'm taking you somewhere new. I'm gonna lead you to refreshment. It might feel scary for you because you don't know what coyotes might be on that hill. You may not know what darkness is around that corner but I will lead you to green pastures. This is what I do. I'm gonna take you somewhere, even if it feels a little bit nerve-wracking. Says, I'm not gonna let you continue to wear paths out and, be, and, and find yourself atrophying, so to speak. And so a fix, uh, the, the fix for a, a, a shepherd over our lives is I'm not gonna leave you in the same place. I'm gonna lead you to someplace new. It's part of his refreshing is he's moving you and he's moving me. And I love, even if it feels scary for the Lord to have to move you into a new direction or a new place or in a new way, what Jesus says of himself is, you don't have to worry. If you're burdened or heavy, come to me, 
take my yoke upon you and learn because I'm gentle and humble in heart and I'll faithfully lead you. What he's saying is, hitch your wagon to me and I'll take you. I'll take you. It, it, may, you, it might be, you may not know what it is, but it's going to lead you towards refreshment. Secondly, Jesus always leads you towards restoration. He's always leading you to be refreshed, but he's always going to lead you towards restoration. You literally will not find one figure from the word of God that is not confronted with days where they are facing fear or anxiety or doubt or their own colossal failure. Not one place in all of scripture will you see people not really struggling, having fallen short, failed. The record over and over and over again is that Jesus sees those that are falling short and he moves in massive often supernatural and miraculous ways to pull his people out of the brokenness that they're stuck in, to move them. When this scripture says, he restores my soul, this word for soul, nefesh, literally, it's literally the, the picture of taking a breath in. The idea of like where life comes in. So what Jesus is saying is that when he restores your soul, what he's gonna do is he's gonna move you to where you can breathe. Where you feel like maybe the weight of life is pressing on you where you cannot breathe. Maybe because you've fallen short from your own failure or from your own mess ups. What Jesus says is I restore this. I'm gonna restore hope and life and breath. So if you find yourself being pressed down, I'm the God that restores. Literally, there is nothing that cannot be restored in Christ. We need to hear this. When Jesus says, I restore your soul, what he's saying is, whatever it is that you have been walking through and whatever it is, whatever valley you've walked into, there's literally nothing that he cannot pull you out of. There's no life, no path, no way that cannot be fully redeemed. One of, I think, the greatest lies the enemy has perpetrated is that people are afraid to come to God out of the weight of their failures, believing that they, they are not good enough. When the gospel is, I was well, the gospel is Jesus saying, I was well aware that you were never good enough. It's why I came. I am ready to restore. I'm looking, I, I came to the cross for the point of restoring. The purpose of the cross is to grab every person in the depth of their brokenness and say, I restore, there's nothing that overcomes that. There's literally nothing that can overcome the power of the cross. Nothing, no shortcoming, no failure. He restores fully. That is the good news. And the even better news is this, and we'll finish up with this, is that you don't even have to just wait to be restored from brokenness. Why? Because here's what it says. Jesus always leads you and me in right paths, always. Meaning we aren't stuck to ourselves and Jesus constantly having to pull us 
And he, although he's so willing and ready to pull us out of the pit, what this scripture says is, I'm going to lead you in paths of righteousness or right ways. Uh, this book that I just referred to by Philip Keller's shepherd looks at Psalm 23, says this uh, in his book. He says, it's no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Our mass mind or our mob instincts, our fears and timidity, our stubbornness and stupidity, ouch, our perverse habits are all parallels of profound importance. Here's what he's saying. Sheep, even with their best intention, aren't getting there. And so Jesus has pointed out to say, I'm going to lead you to life. I'm gonna lead you into a place of hope, to right paths. I'm, I'm, I'm actually so thankful uh, that after, you know, at the end of this service, we have this class that we're gonna be doing on intimacy with God. I'm so thankful that Jerry's teaching this class because I want you to hear this. There's nothing more important to your life and my life right now than the leadership of Jesus. Nothing. In this chaotic moment where everything feels like it is shifting sand, there's nothing more important than what is Jesus declaring and what is he, what is he saying? That if we're not drawing near to Jesus, that there is going to be a massive gap of leadership in our lives. If we're not pulling near to him and drawing near and asking that question, Jesus, who are you and what are you doing? And coming near to him, then we're gonna find that not only is there a gap in, our, in the leadership over our lives, but there'll be a massive gap in the leadership that God has for you. And I wanna say this, not only is Jesus leading us, but he's calling us to lead as well. And we have to have the leader over us Jesus leads us in right paths. So if you, I don't know anyone right now that isn't asking the question, what's the right way? What's the right way? What's the right thing to say in a conversation? It's hard to even have conversations right now, right? What's the right thing to say? What's the right attitude to have? When the scripture here says that Jesus leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake, what he means is, I have exactly what you need in every moment and in every circumstance and in every situation. Every conversation you're going to have, I have everything that you need. He's looking to take us somewhere. Say this, Jesus has got you on a journey. And the question that we all get to ask is, how sincerely and, and, and how, how much hunger do we have to follow? And I love what it says here. So he's, he's gonna lead you on right paths. Why? For his name's sake. Meaning God is delighted to share his plans and his purposes with you because it illuminates his goodness across the earth. His name goes high as he leads us well and faithfully. The more that we say yes to him 
And so this is the question that we get to ask. Jesus, where are you leading me? And that's what we're gonna ask. Because here's where I can guarantee you he's leading you. He's leading you towards refreshment. He's leading you towards restoration. And he's leading you and I in right paths. That's where we're going. This is what we have in Jesus. Everything else can be chaotic. And listen, Jesus is leading us faithfully. There's hope. There is joy to be had. There's life to be had. There's goodness to be had. Everything else is caving. Jesus is reigning and he's worth following. You guys stand with me. We're gonna just take a moment to ask this question. We'll close out. Some of you just need to be refreshed this morning. Some of you need to be refreshed. It was a weighty week and it's pressed down on you. Some of you just need full on restoration. Maybe this season has felt like it's been a crushing weight. you're asking is there hope for the days ahead to be fully restored have I gone too far is it too much and the Lord's ready to restore some of you just are asking Lord where are you leading me what is the right path you've got some, some mountains in front of you you're not sure the way. When the scripture says that he leads you in paths of righteousness, it's not just talking about leading you towards good morals. What he's saying is he wants to lead you where he's designed you for. Until so you're looking for the right way in this moment. Whether you're needing refreshment or even restoration, or you're just searching for righteousness, the right path, the right way, would you just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, where are you leading me right now? Is there an area you want to take me? Is there a word that you want to speak? We'll just take a few more seconds and I just want you to ask him just where you're at. I'm not gonna ask you to come up here. Just where you're at. Just say, Lord, where are you leading me this morning? Is there something you wanna say? If you're feeling weighted down, share that with him. If you're feeling anxious about the days ahead, share it. Let's just take this moment.
something I just have a sense of we're supposed to pray over. There are those of you that have not, that were not led well. And I hurt you. It left you exposed. It left you hurt and wounded. And you might find yourself struggling to trust the Lord because you've been hurt by leaders in the past. And I just, maybe even as you were trying to pray, you felt a big block because you've been hurt. So here's what I wanna do, just in confidence, I want everyone just head bowed, eyes closed, because this is just between you and the Lord. But if you've been hurt in a way by someone that you were supposed to find leadership from and they failed you, and that's been a weight on you, and it's been hard to step out and to even be trusting again, if that's you, again, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, would you just lift your hand just to the Lord and just say, that's me. I wasn't led well. Thank you. That's good. Okay, put your hands down. Lord Jesus, here's what we're asking right now. Would you come in like a flood? And would you begin to do your work of restoration and repairing? Would you show that you're the faithful one, that you never fail? Would you lead each one of us right now in Jesus' name? Jesus, would you lead us faithfully? Would you call us up and speak words of life? In fact, I just have a sense the Lord wants to speak word of life over you. If you'll just ask him. I want to just take this last moment to worship here. To declare these words of the promises of God over our lives. To lay our burdens down before him. And just say, God, we're we're giving our full heart and hope to you. We're placing our trust in you. We're receiving your word and your promises. Though others may fail, have failed us, you never will. Your promises will always stand. Let's declare these words. We finish this morning.